Welcome once again. <laughs> yeah, it's me again. Here we go. Are you guys excited? Are you guys awake? Is it too warm? Should we turn the AC on? No? Yeah. Anyway, so happy new year. I know I've said that already, but can you believe it's 2019? My girlfriends and I were doing the math, and um, in a few more years, it will have been 20 years since our high school graduation. That's how old I am. That's right. Anyways, let's get started. <sighs> so, here we go. Oh, let me just pray for myself real quick. Oh, God, just thank you so much for another opportunity to share with my brothers and sisters uh, just how you've been moving in my life and just the words that you've been sharing with me. Uh, God, I just pray for this time. I just pray that our hearts are open, uh, that our discernment is peaked, Heavenly Father God. I just pray that as... I just share about your amazing and crazy love that it won't make me cry too much. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Who are we kidding, right? Okay, so thanks, Crystal. So when we as a community, especially a church community, begin a new year, we each individually as a corporate body have a theme presented to us, right? Remember the, the red banners that we had up until last week that was our theme, no real theme this year, maybe not yet, okay? And I know that a lot of people take the time to also choose a specific verse that will kind of be their own personal theme for the rest of the year. And all of that kind of requires us in one way or another to look back and to reflect on 2018. Ooh. And most times when we look back at the year that just ended, we kind of have like, the regrets, or the I should have, or oh, I could have, right? And you're just like, why didn't I make better choices to reach a better outcome of the year? And then I think, personally, I think very rarely, like, yes, there's definitely people, but very rarely the mindset at the end of the year is like, oh man, I killed that year. Best year ever, right? And so on and so on. But if that was you, you guys rock please meet with me after so you can tell me like what mindset you were in that you were like, I would do 2018 all over again. Yes. Right. Oh yeah. Okay. So just, just, yeah. Talk to me if that was your year, please. So now I can only speak from a female's perspective and more specifically a Korean American female's perspective, but there's this strange like open door for judgment and assessment and opinions that just automatically happens, and it's especially at the end of the year, because it's like, another year has passed. There's no ring on your finger. Another year has passed, and no pr prospects at all, right? And then that moves into, oh, you're focused on your career. It's not like a good job. It's like, well, you know, yeah, career, but you're wasting a lot of your spare time. And then, like, why are you getting married any sooner? Or why are you married now? Oh, don't you want to have kids? <gasps> You're how old? Oh, maybe it's too late for kids now. Yes, true story, guys, true story. So that's kind of how, you know, I end my year sometimes. Just words of encouragement, right? Or maybe, no, 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 all. it's okay, because I have learned to be like, no, my identity is in Christ. He has amazing things planned for me. I'm not worried. No worries, okay? And then maybe you're also in the mindset of, oh, 2018, 
what what a debacle, right? There's no possible way the next year could be any worse. If it is, I don't want to do it, right? The last 365 days, let's just erase that. Ah. But then you have the positive people. They're like, new year. This is it. This is my year. Going to be the best year ever, right? It's also great, right? Both mindsets, it happens. Sometimes you can be in a season of best year ever that moves into worst year ever. And like Elizabeth said in her testimony, every season has its ups and downs. And so having that mindset of best year ever, let's do this. Yeah, it's great, right? But what is it, what is it that's driving you to want to have that amazing year, right? To live the fullest of this next year. And then maybe on the other hand, like what is holding you back? from having that kind of mindset? Or what are you running empty on that's killing that drive? Obvious Sunday school answer is, you guys don't sound very confident. Obvious Sunday school answer is, oh, A plus. So, it was Jesus, yeah, the answer was Jesus, yeah. (laughs) So this Sunday, all I wanna do is just encourage you guys into this next year. It's nothing deep nothing dramatic or overly biblical. It's just very simple. Um, I don't have a new word to help carry you guys into the new year, right? Um, I think most of you kind of have a handle on that personally on your own. But bottom line, all I want to do is just bring focus onto what an amazing Father in Heaven we have. Growth right here, me saying that out loud, because Father in Heaven was a hard thing for me. Jesus besties. Holy Spirit, woo, lots of fun. But Father in Heaven, that was a big thing for me. But yes, now I can talk about how amazing he is and that amazingness makes me cry in front of many, many people. But I have no shame. Why? Because he's pretty amazing. Anyways, keep going. So one of our biggest obstacles, I think, when we're faced with some of the realities of life at our present stage of life is this, you know, part of it is the the strange unsettledness of like living abroad, our scope of God and how big he is, it either grows exponentially, like while we're out here um, in the difficult times, or sometimes it shrinks, right? It can be good times, grows exponentially. Bad times, grows exponentially. Same thing, shrinks, okay? And it's, it's a crazy thing to lose sight on, especially you've been, if you've been following Jesus and believing in God and your faith life has been many, many years, you're like, how is this dropping every dry season I'm in? Like, what's wrong with me? Um, And personally, as the year was winding down, I was going through a vast range of emotions. And it wasn't really centered on, like, one specific thing. It was just, like, kind of everywhere. Just lots of raw gunk. Sounds fun, right? So for me, all of my thinking and processing, it happens at night. Is anyone else like that? When you're lying in bed, your body and your brain is finally still, and then that's like, let's start processing everything that happened during the week and what's going on. And normally, I distract myself by like Instagram, finding cool cafes, or like, ooh, let's go visit this place. And then sometimes it doesn't help at all, and I'm just like up, not sleeping looking at the clock, and then you get to that point where it's the next 
morning, really, and you're like, no amount of coffee is going to save me or my students for what's about to come out of me, right? And so that's when I start texting my sister. So she's in Oregon. Time difference works great. Um, and so I'm just like, this is what's going on. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't sleep. And she's the one that can actually articulate what I'm feeling. I'm just like, this is what's going on. This is what happened. This is why I'm not sleeping. But I don't know why. And she's like, well, this and this and this and this. Ah, yes. So, yeah, she's only a year older than I am, if you guys have never heard me talk about my sister in Silkang. But she's like eons older than I am. It's kind of sad, but you'll meet us and be like, yeah, that one year difference is pretty big. Um, but yeah, and if you if you want to figure out like how I tick, how I work, or any dirt, like she's the one to contact. But so one particular night, I was messaging her, you know, all the gunk back and forth, couldn't sleep, and then finally it was just like I'm exhausted. Let me just try. Went to sleep. Next morning, there's a message from her that I didn't check, and it was Isaiah 43, one through three. And I looked through it. And I was like, oh, this is good. This is helpful. God is awesome, right? All the things that everyone feels when they read the Bible, correct? I hope so. So she only sent me verses 1 through 3, but I wanted to share verses 1 through 21 with you guys, which I did earlier. I'm not going to read it again. Is that okay? Um, just a, a brief overview. Isaiah was writing this book because the Israelites had turned away. Right? They did that a lot in the, the Old Testament. Yeah, and they're just offering up just meaningless sacrifices, just out of habit, out of tradition, and pretty much alienated themselves from God. And so this is him trying to call them back, telling them, you know, oh, this is a sovereign God that you guys are serving, and he's awesome, and he's here for you. He's your great defender. And Sure, at the beginning of the book of Isaiah, it's just like, these are your sins, and this is the judgment that will come down upon you and your neighbors. It's the very typical Old Testament, woe to those part. But more obvious part of us being sinners is that God is the only way back to salvation, which is great, which is amazing. And it's specifically in starting in chapters 40 and on, but in chapter 43, God is declaring who he is and bringing us back to redemption from captivity. So let's take a look. Um, I told you I'm not going to read the whole thing. and I'm actually going to read some excerpts out of the message. I don't usually read from the message, but oh, it's dramatic, guys. It's dramatic. But of course it's dramatic. His love is dramatic. Our whole romance with God is dramatic. Wouldn't you agree? I agree with myself. Yes. So, here's just a couple of the standout parts. First of all, the title, When You're Between a Rock and a Hard Place. Ooh, yeah, I can attest to that. So, starts with, But now God's message, the God who made you in the first place, Jacob, the one who got you started, Israel, don't be afraid, I've redeemed you. I've called your name, you're mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. Where you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I am God, your personal God, the holy God of Israel, your Savior. I paid a huge price for you. All of Egypt with rich Cush and Seba thrown in, 
thrown in. That's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. I'd sell off the whole world to get you back. Trade the creation just for you. So don't be afraid. I'm with you. This is verse 5. I'll round up all your scattered children, pull them in from the east and west. I'll send orders north and south. Send them back. Return my sons from distant lands, my daughters from faraway places. I want them back. Every last one who bears my name, every man, woman, and child whom I created for my glory. Yes, personally formed and made each one. Skipping down to the end of verse 13. No one can take anything from me I make. Who can unmake it? And then down to verse 18 to 21. Forget about what happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers and the badlands. Wild animals will say thank you. The coyotes and the buzzards because I provided water in the desert, rivers through the sun-baked earth. Drinking water for people I chose, the people I made especially for myself. A people custom made to praise me. God's talking to us, right? So much boldness in his words. It's not just like, hey, don't worry. I'm here for you. I'm the God of love. It's like, I will give this for you. Not for you guys or 20 people team up together, okay, then I'll give this part of whatever for you. It's you specifically, individually. He leaves no hole or gap in which we can say he is an incapable of God or room to think that we are on our own in this whatsoever. He's our Father who is capable of creating a future out of the ruins of our past, and he is always on our side looking out for us, willing to trade literally the world that he created for us so what did we do to deserve such a father? What did you guys do? Nothing. Simply, we came into existence. That was it. Verse 1, it says, he called us by name. This isn't just the biblical calling into creation, right? This is electing us. He's chosen us as his people. In verse 4, the main motive for him to deliver Israel was because he loved them. Acting out of love. How often through our day, the choices that we make, the actions that we do, is why, when is it purely just out of love, right? Not for anything that we could do, but because of his crazy love for us. In English, it gets translated into the love that we know, right? A feeling. The young people. Young people, it's a vibe, right? Isn't that what you call it? It's just all a feeling love is. It's, you know, defined as an intense feeling of deep affection or a person or something you love. I love my new shoes, woo, yeah. Or like it's a verb or it's deep romantic physical something, attachments, right? But I have this thing where I love words in other languages that fully describe something that we in English have to describe as a full sentence. For example, let me give you one of my favorites. It's Inuit language. It's itsu arpak. Itsu arpak. And this one word describes the frustration of waiting for someone to turn up. 
And if you know me, I'm very time-oriented, and I'm always waiting because I'm always early, right? So words like that, love it, okay? But, you know, English word for love, it's just kind of, uh, it's a feeling, right? So other words, Swahili, upendo, it's, it's for love, but it's talking about affection and care. You have the Chinese word, yuanfen, probably totally butchering the language, I apologize, China, but it's what they describe as a fateful coincidence. This is a karmically destined two people belonging together. And then Portuguese, I'm so glad Carol is here. The word for love is amor, right? But then you also have the word, help me Carol, saudade. Oh, saudade, saudade. And what that's describing is a feeling of intense longing for a person or place. How much better are these words than love, I love you, okay? So in Hebrew, when this was written in Hebrew, we know, we generally talk about the Greek word, agape, right? But the Hebrew of, oh, this is another new word that I care for deeply, right? It's ahava. Repeat after me, y'all. Ahava. Oh, you guys just spoke Hebrew. So, in Hebrew, it defines love as an act of doing or of giving. Okay? You can go down and break through each of the, the alphabet of how it's spelled, and basically the root means to give love. Right? So, God's version of love isn't just a... I love your new dress, oh my gosh. Or, girl, I love you. It's a vibe. It's nothing like that. It's, he is giving. <laughs> Michael liked that one. An actual <laughs> giving, okay? And you can see it over and over in the Bible. I love the example, John 3:16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Right? It's not just. The, to give love in the word love, but he gave his only son. You have Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. For God being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us. The great love with which he loved us. That can be, you know, repetitive, but no. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Romans 5, 8. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Psalms 136, 26. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. And on and on and on. I mean, we call the Bible the greatest love story ever told, right? And I think, for me, that love is just how we know it. In media, in movies, like, oh, roses and harps and violins. I don't know. But it's an actual act of giving, okay? So he gave us love in a manner that we can't even wrap our brains around. This is me trying to explain in a really bad way, but that's the kind of love that he has for us. And the part about his love for us is such a small part of the whole chapter. Um, and I could keep going on, but I won't because I love you guys. So what am I trying to say? Well, the message of this chapter can be pretty straightforward. Probably not the way I presented it, but it is. It's a message for the people of God not to fear the circumstances of life, 
because the Lord is about to redeem them in the fulfillment of his promises. That was a conversation I had. What are his promises? I think each one of us personally, individually, know what that might be. He is fully able to do this because he is the sovereign Lord of the universe, as everyone can attest. Agree? Agree? So in our age, we can transfer this theme easily. First, Jesus Christ is the sovereign Lord of creation, the great I am, the only Savior. Common Bible knowledge, but always good to know, always good to be reminded. He has made promises to us, and those include ultimate redemption from the bondage of this world and transference to his Father's house. Exciting. And as a result, we should not fear. I think that's probably one of our hardest hardest things. Don't fear, for he has overcome the world. So what have we got to fear? So Christians should be strong in the faith, evaluate everything in, evaluate everything in line with eternal principles, and look forward in expectation, right? Don't just wait for it. Don't just be expecting, but expectancy, it's going to happen to the great deliverance. So this new year just might be for some of you. I'm being realistic, right? Let's be honest. And for some of you, it might just be so-so. might just be uneventful, but that's okay. Who really knows? Only God knows. And what he knows is way better than anything we can imagine. But no matter the outcome of what we experience or go through, one thing for certain is that we know our identity in Christ. And he's the reason that we exist, right? And with him, we have nothing to fear. I found a quote that I really like. Um, It's from a man who survived the Holocaust. He actually went through a couple of the camps. But he said... He who knows the why for his existence, his existence, will be able to bear almost any how. Yeah? He who knows the why for his existence, do you know the why for why you guys exist? Will be able to bear almost any how. Okay? Ooh. Yeah. So if we could all stand up, I'll close this in a prayer and a benediction. <laughs>